Welcome to Weekends with Josh, a podcast series to share life stories and tips through the lens of youth. Today, I'm very honored to introduce our guests, Rayan Ali and Hassan Samiula. They are both seniors in high school. Let's hear their stories about how they started an integrated strength-based learning project initiative. Welcome to Weekends with Josh, Rayan and Hassan. It's an honor to have you guys. Thank you very much for inviting us. Let's get started. So first of all, what does the term neurodiversity mean to you guys? So the general definition of neurodiversity is the range of differences in the individual brain function and behavioral traits, which are regarded as normal variation. And to take that a step forward, however, we wanted to think of neurodiversity as uh, something that impacts all individuals. Yeah, um, I would add to that, the way I view neurodiversity, it's fundamentally rooted in the strength-based model. Um, so I kind of see neurodiversity as being a way to kind of actualize the strength-based idea. Um, so neurodiversity to me is not only recognize that people that have these, you know, quote-unquote disabilities actually have a lot of strengths, um, but the second part of that is also um, accommodating for the strengths and allowing them to develop those strengths and um, translate those strengths into uh, into their lives and the lives of the people around them. Uh, so I think it's it's the two step um, or two facets of the idea of neurodiversity. There, um, I think that's what it really means to me. Yeah, definitely. Neurodiversity is a foreign term to many, and I loved how you guys incorporated the strength based model into your unique definition of neurodiversity. So now I want to ask you guys, have you ever experienced any stigma around neurodivergent members? And what triggered you guys to join this neurodiversity effort? Sure. So personally, I wanted to join the neurodiversity effort because I have close relatives that are neurodivergent. And I have had personal experiences where I've seen my friends and peers being bullied for their differences at school, which should not be the case in any environment, especially at school where students come to learn. So that's one of my experiences. Hassan, do you have any experiences you'd like to share? Yeah, so for me, um, I kind of got started. I know I'm kind of diverting from the question, but I kind of got started with the whole neurodiversity initiative um, kind of as, as, a, as a consequence of my involvement with the buddy club at our school, we call it Bulldog Crew, um, official buddy club uh, with special education program. Um, I'm a senior in high school right now, so I'll be doing it since I was a freshman. Um, and kind of as it's developed and as we've kind of gone through activities and, and, and you know, had these opportunities, you know, speak at this event or uh, work on you know, this project with this organization, um, you kind of get, I guess, gain a platform at your school in a good way. Uh, people get to know about what you're doing um, and the impact that you, the impact that you have, but on the contrary, there's going to be people that, you know, will kind of question the basis of the work that you do. Um, I remember one time, sophomore, you had a very uh, memorable, not a very good way, conversation with a classmate. Um, and pretty much it came down to, his point of view came down to, I guess, what, what we'd equate to, you know, social Darwinism. Like the idea of why would we help people that are, quote unquote, inferior to us? Um, he didn't explicitly say that, but, uh, that kind of was, he was implying that heavily in the way that he talked. Um, and that was a pretty disheartening and, and discouraging, you know, thing to hear. Uh, Cause you kind of think that 
that type of mentality um, isn't really a thing anymore with all the progress that's being made on the global scale um, and being more inclusive and, and I guess neurodiverse more specifically. Um, so that conversation really, it got me to think about ways that um, we can kind of tailor or at least explain the work that we do and, and the underlying you know, foundations of you know, our movement, the neurodiversity movement, how we could explain that um, to the general pub a public, right? I'm not necessarily saying that every single person who has a negative view of neurodiversity doesn't really believe it's, um, you know, it's scientifically rooted. I'm not saying that those people are inherently evil. I just think they need to have the proper education on what it really is um, and why it matters. Yeah, and to add on to what Hassan's saying, I feel like a big part of these views that people have come from a lack of education. And if we're able to provide them that knowledge of neurodiversity through, say, for example, we're planning on doing staff faculty trainings. If we're able to provide th these types of education to teachers, to students, we really think that we can curve like these negative stigmas people have and views that they have of neurodiverse individuals. Yeah, I agree that neurodiversity, people are rather uneducated about it. Like um, we see a lot of movements about racial diversity, uh, uh, educational diversity, but neurodiversity isn't at that grand scale yet. Um, so yeah, education is definitely key. I really love that point you guys brought up. And it's just cool to see how you guys uh, were inspired by experiences and started uh, your own neurodiversity effort in response. And for your project that you guys has started, could you share about what it is and just how it got started? Sure. So um, the main problem that we wanted to overcome with our project, um, the Integrating Strength-Based Learning Program, was that um, we wanted neurodivergent students to be part of a fully inclusive classroom, but the problem was that many of them are currently part of an environment that focuses on their learning disabilities rather than their strengths. So we wanted to create an environment where both neurodivergent and neurotypical students can both come together and benefit in one environment. Um, we focused a lot on full inclusion and the traditional definition of full inclusion is the practice of providing children with disability services in their home, school, and of educating them in a regular classroom on a permanent full-time basis. But we really wanted to focus in on um, the fact that children need to be taught not in a regular classroom, but in a classroom with accommodations and activities that um, can help them benefit and learn in a better environment yeah um i want to add to that i like the focus that our project had on or one of the foci foci i think that's the plural of focus um that it had on on combating or challenging the traditional definition of full inclusion um and, and specifically the part that stood out to me was the part about um in regular classrooms and, and i think that was that stood out to me um, because you know i kind of thought back when i first heard that to um, experiences I've had being in the buddy club and and things that I've heard from people outside of it things like oh you know you know like the special education students they um, they can't do what we do you know like they don't have the same skill sets and stuff and to a certain extent that is true um, they can't do the exact same things 
um, that, you know, neurotypical people um, can do. And that's exactly why we have to give them an environment that allows them to, you know, um, translate and um, practice and, and show their own skills. Um, so that, that's kind of where we came in. Well, that's what our focus was on is that, yeah, they do have strengths. They just need maybe a little bit more help um, to kind of identify those strengths and to bring them to life. Um, so that's what we're focusing on um, rather than trying to, you know, have some kind of fake um, inclusion and everyone's together type of cliche. Uh, we wanted to really focus on what is the practical way that we can allow these students um, to learn about their strengths and learn curriculum using those strengths. So they leverage their skills to learn about their skills. Um, and then at the same time, uh, using that approach to show, you know, the general public and people that are neurotypical that don't know about neurodiversity, um, why a strength-based model, uh, it can still fit in with the concept of being accommodating. Um, sure, just because you, you believe that everyone has their own individual strengths, which you should, that doesn't mean you can't accommodate for people. Um, there's a reason why we accommodate for people that are in wheelchairs or the reason why we accommodate, um, you know, for people that have medical needs. Um, so there, there should, there's no rational reason, um, not to accommodate for, um, you know, some of the, the neurotypical or rather neurodivergent differences, um, in individuals, specifically students. Yeah. I love the point you guys made about accommodation and strengths and when implementing, uh, when implementing the strength-based models in school, how did you guys go about selecting what to actually do in the schools and implementing it there? Um, so when we were researching what things we really wanted to implement and things that could benefit us, we first took a look at the traditional classroom and we saw what the traditional classroom didn't have. And then we took that and we figured out different accommodations that could be of aid to all students to make the classroom less restrictive. So one of the main examples that we had in our traditional classroom was that it may be extremely difficult for students to navigate through classrooms because of close by seating. So for example, a student with ADHD might not be able to concentrate well in a classroom to their fullest potential with added distractions from loud noise produced from chairs moving in and out or uncomfortable seating. And we took different accommodations such as our um, stability ball seating, tennis balls on the bottom of chairs, flexible seating, uh, just backpack cubbies also to like kind of keep away like different things that can cause people to trip. Just adding these different accommodations to just make the classroom environment better. So yeah, that's pretty much what we did. Yeah, I'd like to add to that, um, the approach that we took. I think it's pretty interesting that rather than kind of just having one homogenous body of people doing the same work, we've kind of taken the approach that we will selectively adapt what we researched and what we worked on, what we you know prototyped, and implement that in our own communities. We kind of talked about how um, where we're going to implement the project won't be the same. The specific things we're implementing might not be the same, but the focus is the same. The principles are the same, and the impact that we're trying to have um, is pretty much the same. Uh, so I think that the focus on implementation flexibility, um, I think that was pretty special from a purely leadership point uh, point of view. Um, I really like how we took that approach. Um, and I think that's going to translate to some really interesting results. It kind of already has. Um, one of our group members 
um, Chloe, actually, she's a student in Canada. So uh, her school's uh, like a French school. So she'll translate a lot of the content that we worked on into French. It's just super cool to see the ways that people can adapt this project to their own circumstances, you know, high school, whether it's like a, like a buddy club, like at my school, or maybe like an IEP program or, or tutoring program or um, whatever it is. Um, we're trying to focus on really integrating, um, you know, concepts and, and things like that into those environments rather than trying to create or conjure up some new type of environment. Because uh, we want to be practical. You know, we can't really change the law yet. Yeah, honestly, I didn't know that tennis balls and cubbies had such a big impact on neurodivergent learners. And I'm sure many of the viewers didn't know that either. So thank you for researching and sharing that valuable information. So now, would you guys like to share the progress you guys have made in schools? Um, sure. So I'll start off with my school at EVHS. So we started off by contacting the principal and doing all of these really cool things. We contacted the principal, the assistant principal and the head of the special education department and told them about our project. And they actually, uh, we received really great feedback from them and they all were really happy about our project and they really wanted to collaborate with us. And we were able to start implementing the tennis ball implementation on the bottom of chairs into some of our classrooms. So, in my physiology classroom, I was able to finish um, covering all of those chairs with tennis balls, which was really great. Um, in my English classroom, I worked with my teacher with wall decorations. So a certain amount of visual detail on walls is needed for like the best like classroom setting. So if there's too much visual detail, too much visual detail, that would not be good. And if there's too little, that would also be bad. So just the right amount. Um, we also worked on flexible seating. So we have like couches in that classroom and um, all this just great seeing like we have these like swivel chairs so that students can turn when the teacher is speaking. So we have like a few accommodations started at our school. Um, Hassan, would you like to add anything? Yeah, so what's going on at my school is um, it's interesting. We're taking more of the approach of focusing on activities. Um, special education program at my school um, is doing a great job with um, physical accommodations. From the time I entered as a freshman, I kind of started to see um, some really interesting and unique, uh, you know, classroom layouts and designs that I hadn't really thought about until I got back uh, or I went to the you know SMP Reach Camp and they started to mention um, some of the physical accommodations that are. Uh, useful for people that are neurodivergent and I thought back hey I, I've seen that before um, so it was really cool to kind of see that um, even before we got started on our work that this was already kind of being done so we're really just adding to progress uh, that's kind of the hope um, in terms of what we've uh, specifically implemented um, we've done a few uh, pretty interesting things with the activities uh, the first one is um, over the summer we started doing um, community service based um, activity building so we'd have members of our, um, of our buddy club that are identified as neurotypical, we'd have them make activities um, according to their own interests. So whether that's music or, you know, geography or math, um, tailor games and activities um, on slide decks and stuff to those interests um, in an accommodating and flexible way uh, that can be shared with 
uh, you know, neurodivergent students. So they can also kind of learn about some of those interests um, and obviously learn curriculum um, in an accommodating way to their own strengths, right? So we have, we, we present the curriculum in different formats. Uh, we don't try to use a one size fits all approach to learning. Um, we kind of try to have it flexible, um, the, the activities. Um, another thing we're working on is establishing buddy groups in our, uh, in our program to kind of get neurotypical and neurodivergent students to come together um, in the accommodating setting. So instead of just putting them at some random table, we're trying to bring them into our classrooms where the accommodations are, um, where they can be on flexible seating, where they could use, um, you know, Orbeez to relieve stress and things like that. Um, and where they can, you know, point to signs that indicate emotions or indicate things that they want and have them do activities there, um, present those, uh, you know, customized um, strengths-based activities in those accommodating settings in small groups um, to promote full inclusion, right? Uh, to build friendships in those accommodating settings so that everyone can learn together. That's what we're trying to focus on. Um, and we're trying to have those buddy groups be sustained over a long period of time. So people that have been with us before, uh, they're kind of coming back to me and, you know, specifically asking me, not to change their buddy group because they, they really became good friends with their, uh, with their buddy. So that's, that's the type of progress that we'd like to see. Um, not only they make activities that they like, but they can share it with other people um, and share their passions and um, overall promote our definition of full inclusion um, instead of the tradi traditional definition. So I think that's, um, it's special to see and it's, it's good progress uh, that, you know, we enjoy uh, talking about. Uh, who, who actually makes these activities? That's a good question. So it's kind of a mix of pulling activities from online that already exist and then customizing them with our own kind of interests or our own experience with some of those activities. Uh, so for example, we'll take a very simple game like Hangman. Uh, we'll adapt it differently so that the sizes of some of the letters are better or we can actually show the options of the letters on the screen. Um, kind of just very, very simple um, accommodation to some of those activities so that people can really see um how small changes can accommodate for a, a much larger audience um other activities we kind of make completely from scratch um for example uh, i collaborated with um the special education teachers at our school we essentially made really small videos um asking personal information based questions to students and uh, they wanted to get the student used to asking questions um in different formats. So the student had autism and people with autism are known to be very detail oriented, uh, be resilient um, and really uh, work hard on something that they find interesting, but they need a little bit more helping flexible. So you kind of want to tailor to both that strength and that weakness. Um, so we had multiple people making these personal information videos um, to get the resilience part of it. A lot of videos um, having it recorded so they can go back to it on their own time um, and kind of build that skill. Um, on their own accord but having multiple people do it brings in the concept of flexibility uh, now they have to answer to uh, their teacher then their friend um, and that type of thing and then what I wanted to do to add to that challenge of flexibility is use different virtual backgrounds uh, when asking those questions so they would actually see even it's the same face it's me um, in the background there'd be a different setting so they can kind of get used to different formats uh, on how where those questions might be asked. Um, that's just a useful life skill. Life skills training is something that we're working on um, integrating into our activities. Um, you know, of course, in an accommodating way uh, for the students. So I, it's really interesting types of activities we get to do um, 
it's kind of unpredictable uh, to some extent. But uh, if you look at it on the grand scheme of things and you look at what ties them together, um, the purpose behind them is, is pretty much always the same. That is to promote strength-based learning. Yeah, it's great to see how creative you guys are with accommodations. And it's just, I love the movement you guys are doing. And for our listeners who want to leverage the tools, programs, accommodations, activities you guys are designing, how could they leverage from your tools and make change in their local community? I really think that... Um... If you're an individual who wants to start something where you can involve uh, students, faculty, and really just get the community together and create an environment where neurodivergent individuals feel like they are in a classroom setting that they can benefit from, I think that at your clubs, at your schools, or any yeah, your clubs at your schools really like kind of implement new accommodations or try to make a classroom where those students can benefit from so that everyone can thrive and learn in an environment where it is best suited for all the students. Yeah, after that, in terms of advice, um, I'd give advice to people interested in, you know, neurodiversity initiatives, the same advice I'd give to people interested in any type of initiative. Um, and that's to start with some kind of a value, some type of thing that you, um, you really believe in, um, something that you kind of want to change. Um, something that kind of, when you think about kind of makes you angry to a certain extent, um, you know, like we get angry when we hear people, um, saying things about, you know, our students or, and our friends in special education. Um, and we want to change that stigma. And then, you know, people in, in a lot of different fields and a lot of different, you know, areas of social work, humanitarian work. Um, I think it's the same the same pattern there, the same concept there. So identify some of those things that um, you really care about, what your values orient you towards. Um, don't just follow your passion. I think that's kind of shallow advice. Um, I'd say follow your values. That's, that's kind of um, the approach I would take. Um, and then from there, work on making that practical. Just take a small step um, towards um, working towards that, you know, overarching principle that your or overarching vision that you want to see. Um, you know, we didn't, I didn't start freshman year of my high school, like, oh, I want to, you know, integrate strength-based learning to classrooms and make all these great activities uh, for students that can be adapted to um, all these different classrooms across the state and even the nation and even across the border for our friend in Canada. Um, we kind of just got started because, okay, well, we want to provide a service um, to special education students and we want to bring together neurotypical students and neurodivergent students. We want to have full inclusion. Um, one of my good friends I, I first joined with, he's in the music program. So he kind of told me about how he was kind of surprised that many of the special education students are really good at music. So I just thought that was super cool, cool to hear about. Um, so kind of just that, that, I guess, general interest that first got us there. Um, and then, you know, over the years that led to something, um, you know, specifically neurodiversity for us. I myself, I haven't actually heard the term neurodiversity until um, two years into doing the Buddy Club. Um, so it's kind of just that you start with the idea and then it will uh, crystallize itself um, as it goes along. You know, I wouldn't say even right now that we've totally accomplished all of our goals. You know, there's still some shortcomings and there's still some things um, we need to work on. Uh, but I think in terms of the progress we're making, I think it does speak to um, the fact that we kind of have started 
um, with a principle um, or with a goal in mind. And uh, we are working towards that and we might never achieve it perfectly, right? Uh, But that we're going to keep trying uh, and do the best we can in high school. And then however the project translates or whatever it evolves to beyond that or whoever else joins joins in on us with this initiative, you know, teachers at school, um, more of our fellow students, uh, random people, people listening to this podcast right now, you know, we welcome that change and uh, we want to see how we can make that, that interest that we, you know, try to spark in more people, how we can leverage that and use that um, to serving our values, to serving, you know, our goal. So that's kind of what we're, um, that's the philosophical origin or foundation of, um, of the project. Definitely. Thank you guys for both of y'all's advice and we can't wait to see where this project goes okay any final words of wisdom tips and encouragement before we end this episode think differently be different yeah very inspirational words uh thank you so much for your valuable insight and sharing the progress of your project and a lot of these things were a huge eye-opener for me especially how little things, little accommodations can really go a long way with neurodivergent learners. And again, I wish you and your team a huge success in your project. And I hope to reconnect with you guys in the future to see how you guys are doing. Rayan and Hassan's messages were amazing. Their youth team worked together to combat the traditional sense of full inclusion. They designed ways to accommodate strength-based learning through physical environment and creative activities and games. I love how they applied universal design principles and had unique activities tailored to their own schools. I loved how they uniquely identified accommodations such as tennis balls and cubbies. Be different, think different, and follow your values. What is your takeaway? Weekends with Josh, signing out, peace out.